Gavin Newsom, who purposely talks like Christian Bale's Batman to lean into the irony, has mandated that students from uh, grades K through 12 receive the COVID vaccine. The plan should be in full effect by January 2022. While trust the science has become a democratic tagline, Democrats have been moving further and further away from science. The vaccine is generally well tolerated as far as initial side effects and adverse reactions, but there are an alarming number of disturbing complications from the mRNA vaccines that are not typical of other traditional vaccines administered to children. We also don't know anything about the long-term effects of the vaccine. Fauci argued this week that because the vaccine has been tested on 100 million people rather than 10,000, that we know a lot about its side effects and can project that it won't have any long-term problems. But the problem there is that it hasn't been very long. So rather than trusting the science, he's wanting to predict the future. It's been less than two years since the vaccine appeared, and there doesn't seem to be any effort right now to study the long-term effects of the jab by our federal government before dosing the entire population. There's conflicting evidence on whether the vaccine even slows transmission, and it most certainly doesn't prevent it. Pediatric hospitalization is rare. It's possible the vaccine is safe for kids, yes, but is there scientific proof right now that is sound? No. Furthermore, there's some evidence that there's superior immunity from contracting the virus naturally, and that Taking a vaccine, while synergistic in some cases, can actually blunt your immunity in others. When Sanjay Gupta asked Fauci about natural immunity this week, Fauci said he hadn't even considered it. And as someone who is creating the tagline, Trust the Science, and a medical doctor himself, that's mind-blowing to forget to consider natural immunity when evaluating a vaccine. In both measles and smallpox, the CDC recommends against vaccination if someone has already had either one. And when we keep using the CDC as an example for how and why we're behaving the way we are with these COVID vaccines, it's inconsistent to ignore that fact. Having COVID can produce lifelong immunity, but Fauci says he doesn't have a reason for forcing vaccines in place of natural immunity. It's a very curious situation indeed. It's hard not to wonder if Fauci's behavior is protecting someone's agenda or related to some sort of profit-seeking, especially when Gavin Newsom's aunt, Nancy Pelosi, has become famous in the last couple years for her insider trading. Her husband is, and I can't make this up, a hedge fund manager. Paul Pelosi bought 4,000 shares of Alphabet on June 18th that was revealed in a financial disclosure signed by Nancy Pelosi and filed on July 2nd that made an initial $5 million gain from Alphabet's rising share price. He bought the stock by exercising a call option, which allows investors to speculate on stocks they don't own, by entering into a contract that allows them to buy the stock at a later date. If you know that a, a stock is going to go in a certain direction in the short term, then call and put options are a great way to make that money with less capital. When he exercised that option, he was able to buy all of the shares for $1,200 a piece when they were trading at $2,500 a piece. And the difference in that share price was his profit immediately. He also took profits on call options for Amazon, Apple, and NVIDIA. 
He got a hold of all of those options when the prices were down relatively because there was fear in the market that Congress was going to pass legislation limiting the autonomy of the FANG stocks. What ended up happening is they did pass some measures, but they really didn't affect the big, the big companies like Apple and, and Google that much. And so they went back to the growth that they had previously. Back in March, Paul Pelosi exercised almost $2 million worth of Microsoft call options two weeks before they secured a $22 billion contract to supply the U.S. Army with augmented reality headsets. Before that, in January, he purchased a million dollars of Tesla calls before the Biden administration delivered its plans to provide incentives to promote the shift away from traditional automobiles towards electric vehicles. Even if this stuff is by accident, the conflict of interest is so crazy that politicians should be limited you know, most likely for it to really be fair, they shouldn't be able to trade at all. Maybe they could invest in index funds or have money managers certain degrees away from them so that they could have traditional investing. Congressman Raja Krishnamurthy, a Democrat from Illinois, is part of a bipartisan group of House and Senate members who have introduced legislation banning lawmakers from owning individual stocks. He's run up against a lot of opposition. Uh, a quote from him, as I understand it, one of the perks of being a member of Congress, especially from the late 1800s on, was being able to trade on insider information. So the stuff that Pelosi's doing is really typical of everybody in Congress, everybody in Washington. But it's also really questionable, you know, ethically. And it makes one wonder about profit incentivization of, of the pandemic when it comes to investing in vaccines and certain other technologies. And then it makes you wonder if there's some sort of financial benefit to Fauci acting the way he does and having the stances that he does. He's already talking about canceling the, the winter holidays like Christmas and, and Hanukkah when it's October and vaccine number or pardon me when, and actual virus numbers are down something like 30%. Thing about Newsom's move to mandate vaccines for kids is it's, it's a whole new set of clientele. But also, as we've seen with his lockdowns and his homeless policies and as far as management, he doesn't really have a lot of interest in data-driven decisions. He has, he has uh, interest in, in optics, right? And that overcompensation or that extreme action is something that is kind of a, a savvy political decision at this point. In a way, he's pretty smart. He's already lost the centrist Democrats and anyone who believes in freedom of choice. So he might as well lean into the hard left. And they like the lockdown. They already had corporate jobs where they were working remotely and they were making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year like everybody in Congress. And they weren't worried about losing their businesses. They were, they were happy to keep ordering overpriced food from Grubhub, whereas you know other people were losing their jobs and being underpaid driving for Grubhub. We saw a wealth gap that expanded more than it had, I think, in something like 30 years. The hard left is already dependent on medication. They all take antidepressants and Xanax. And so what's one more, you know, what's one more side effect? What's one more jab? And I'm all for antidepressants and Xanax and vaccines. I just think it's important for people to know if they're safe. And that importance is intensified when it comes to children who don't really have all of their own rights, the same as adults. We really want to 
make sure that we're erring on the side of safety with kids because they can't really decide or evaluate risk. The left should have had a really strong month with COVID cases going down and Republicans taking a ton of heat for the, the stuff that was going on in Texas as far as abortion laws. But instead, they've continued to alienate people. Russell Brand is one of their biggest independent journalists. He's got three and a half million followers on his what's become a news and current events show on YouTube. And the comedian turned podcaster has been one of the most liberal, like vocal, popular people in that independent scene that's dominated by guys like Joe Rogan and Dave Rubin. And he's got a much bigger scope than the 10 or 20,000 viewers that CNN draws for their, their biggest shows right now. But they wanted to cancel Russell Brand because he reported on Hillary Clinton's lawyer being behind Russiagate. He got charged by the FBI for providing them with false information, suggesting that there was a, like a secret electronic form of communication going on between Trump and the Russian government. And turns out he'd made it up. And rather than try to clean up their party or examine what's going on, they went after Russell Brand for mentioning Clinton's name in vain, kind of like the way Nicki Minaj's or, or the Bayhive for Beyonce go after anybody that says anything negative about Beyonce or Nicki Minaj. They're doing this the same week that Biden claims that his multi-trillion dollar spending proposal would be free. When he started getting trashed for that, he clarified that it would be free for everyone who makes less than $400,000 a year which is obvious pandering, and maybe it's good pandering, right? I don't make $400,000 a year, and I want things to be free. So I'm good with that. I certainly wouldn't like it if he was like, I want to spend $4 trillion, and I want you to pay for it. But the problem is, is putting the cost on the upper class has trickle-down effects that are negative for the economy, and negative for workers. And that's not to say, again, that the rich shouldn't carry more of a tax burden. But in my opinion, one of the biggest issues right now is the overspending in general of the bureaucracy. There are so many places where the budget could be tightened up or there could be some accountability where there isn't. And we could be freeing up billions in a bunch of different categories. But the only discussion is spending more and more and more. And right now the dollar's hurting. Pretty much all aspects of the working class's ability to grow is hurting right now. I think for a lot of voters are starting to get alienated because they don't understand how someone can say something is free when they know that you know, all of that spending does trickle down to them. Food is more expensive. Homes are more expensive. Their, their dollars worth less. But because something isn't directly affecting them, they think that that's just going to, you know, sneak by just wasteful spending. And they're getting tired of that. Why is this guy or girl who says that they relate to me and they're representing to me talking in such an unrealistic way? Like, I know that if things get more expensive for my boss, there's going to be some problem with that. And I know that they're wasting money all over my community and also that my community isn't getting essential stuff that it needs. 
And part of the problem is that people in Congress and you know everyone above that in the government is sitting on a pretty sweet deal. A congressman makes $175,000 per year. You need to serve as little as five years to earn a pension, which is 80% of your salary for life. It's about a minimum of $140,000 every year. If you're a senator, you get, have to go through election once every six years. And so if you just get elected once, then you're guaranteed this pretty much for the rest of your life. And if you're part of the House of Representatives, you get elected every two years. So you have to win about, you know, like two different reelections. And then you're guaranteed this $175,000 as long as you're there. And then $140,000 for forever. Now, if you're really young, you have to serve a few more years. But the point is, is the pension is easy. And there's a pension in the first place. And the pension is a lot of money. So no matter what happens, no matter how irresponsible they're spending, they're always going to be getting that draw. And if you think about it, in, in our, our welfare capitalist society, where we have lots of small business owners who carry this country on our back, well, I shouldn't say our back, I don't have a small business anymore. But all of these small business owners carrying the country on their back, they know that if they're reckless with their spending or they go way over budget or they don't deliver on timelines, or they go too far into debt, they lose their business. And then we certainly don't get a draw. There's no money to draw. But Congress just continues to write themselves new checks. They basically have a blank checkbook. They just write whatever they want and keep on going. And no matter how far we get into debt, they still get that money. And they still get great benefits. And all of it's on the taxpayer dime. And so that's how someone can, in that one of the many reasons why someone in in that position can psychologically be like, oh, well, you know, I'll just tell them it's free and they'll get that because they won't have to pay any more taxes to me. But they just don't deal with regular budgeting like a normal American. And they're above all that. And that doesn't mean to say that they shouldn't be, especially if people did a great job representing us. They'd definitely be worth whatever the cost, right? You just pay them what they're worth. Congress is above the law in a lot of ways. The Pandora Papers came out last week. There's a dump of 12 million records amounting to about 3 terabytes of data that uh, is coming five years after the leak known as the Panama Papers, which exposed how money was hidden by the wealthy in ways that law law enforcement agencies couldn't detect. These Pandora Papers were given to the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists, a Washington, D.C.-based network of reporters, And the files are linked to about 35 current and former national leaders, more than 330 politicians in 91 countries and territories. Uh, Also, Shakira. Turns out Shakira was really living in Spain with her boyfriend who was some soccer player instead of living in the Bahamas, as she claimed. These papers have also shown that Vladimir Putin has some love children and he... He pays for them to live in different countries, and he's got some side ladies. There are ex-presidents and congressmen hiding bunches of money in offshore accounts, and these elite launder massive collections of art and real estate that are hidden from the owner's native governments. 
It's fascinating proof of how little has changed over the last thousand years. The working class citizens continually have their privacy breached in the name of taxation. Democrats are currently trying to see every transaction that citizens make with as little as $600 that will all have to be reported to the IRS, while presidents are hiding billions of tax-free assets behind offshore shell companies. In one of the worst sell-offs of the year, from the NASDAQ to the Dow Jones, Tesla has been up and approaching resistance at 800. It actually touched 800 uh, a couple weeks ago, and then it's pulled back with the rest of the market. Institutional investors had a chance to cash in on their shorts before Tesla started coming back up and had a strong march back towards $800 a share when they beat uh, production and sales estimates, delivered upwards of 250,000 vehicles in a quarter where GM had to cut their production by a third and pretty much everyone due to the supply chain shortage and semiconductor issues has been underselling and under delivering cars. Tesla's way ahead of the competition. If they can break 800 and the market can stabilize due to concerns right now about Congress passing its budget and avoiding an October 17th, I believe, shutdown, Tesla could have a run to over 1,000 by year end. Elizabeth Holmes, who was the founder of Theranos, has finally gone on trial for creating a bullshit company that promised to diagnose every disease known to man with a single prick of blood at kiosks around the world. The woke mob has tried to turn her into a feminist crusade. Even the New York Times has published an opinion piece written by a woman that tried to argue that she's being unfairly judged for her behavior, which is consistently allowed by men in similar power situations. But in reality, she's being damned by the public for being a piece of shit. She purposely put people's health at risk. She told sick people that they were fine and delivered completely fake results and told healthy people that they had things to worry about they didn't. Her product was destructive, and truly destructive products like Oxycontin are taken to task. Look at their manufacturers. They're being punished royal, royally right now. Holmes tried to argue in court that her boyfriend forced her charade, which doesn't make any sense. The guy was a simp who was in love with a, a pretty lady who seemed very smart and was certainly charismatic and and probably made his life much more exciting than any other woman he'd been with before. And she's the one who was literally impersonating Steve Jobs and coming up with all of these ideas and, and being the, the driving creative force behind all of their decisions. There are plenty of male CEOs and, and founders who game a system and take advantage of people, but a lot of them simply have played the game smarter than she has. She was inadequate in, in every way as far as being morally or ethically sound. And she just hurt people in her personal life, uh, publicly, financially, health-wise, and, and, didn't, and didn't make any attempt to change course. She used sex to manipulate men and to sell her product. And that's something men don't actually do. So you can't use that to your advantage and then claim sexism when you get caught. Even if real business isn't conducted on, you know, a, a fair table, you know, even if the game is rigged, you have to accept an equal playing field. You have to accept, you know, consequences for the risks you take. 